0: Welcome to In The Spotlight. This is a podcast brought to you by the Guild of HR Professionals in association with Lace Partners. Hello and welcome to this, the first HR Guild in the Spotlight podcast. And this is brought to you by the HR Guild in association with uh, Lace Partners. My name is Chris Howard. I'm the Marketing Director at Lace Partners and I'm joined today by Aaron Albury and Danny Harmer. Hi, guys. I'll uh, I'll do a bit of an intro in a minute, but just as quick as, as a quick intro. So this podcast is designed to bring together some of the most experienced professionals in the HR industry to talk about their experiences. So at the time of recording right now, we're in the midst of the COVID-19 global pandemic. And this poses a range of different issues for HR leaders when it comes to crisis management. So... What we try to do with this podcast is just to share some of the experiences of members of the HR Guild, just to talk about what they're seeing. So, you know, how are their businesses responding and what the profession's going to look like when we emerge from the current situation. And as I mentioned, today I'm joined by Danny Harmer from Aviva. Um, hello, Danny. How are you doing?
1: I am very good. How are you, Chris? I'm
0: very good. And you are the Chief People Officer at Aviva, having joined right at the beginning of this year in 2020 from Metro Bank. Yes. Yeah. So, Danny, I want you to give us a little bit of a background, actually, if that's all right to kick us off, because there's a few things that I think might be interesting, worth talking about. And we've just been speaking off air about things like culture uh, within the organization. And as I mentioned, you have at the time of recording, you're, I think, eight, nine weeks into a role of Eva. Yep.
1: <laughs>
0: so, uh, so it'll be really interesting to get your chat kind of influencing people at that early stage of joining an organization. But before we go into all of that, can you give us a little bit of a background on yourself, a little bit of a potted history?
1: Yep. So as you said, I've been at Aviva for just over about eight, nine weeks, I think. And prior to that, I was at Metro Bank for nearly eight years. And then before that, Barclays, Lloyds Banking Group, Halifax Bank of Scotland, Halifax. So um, until uh, I joined Aviva, pretty much banking for my whole career, actually moved into uh, HR as a profession About 16 years ago. So um, have done business roles and business leadership and delivery roles as well as HR roles. And actually is one of the things I'm pretty passionate about that to be a really commercial HR leader. It's useful to spend some time in the business and be on the receiving end of the, the service and the challenge and the, um, the delivery that you you provide. Uh, my approach to HR is, is pretty simple, which is that our job um, as a function is to help everybody in the organization be better in a way that is aligned to the purpose of the business. So, yeah. We help the, the business be better, and that that should be the sort of question that runs through everything everything that we do as a function. Yeah, and and delighted to be at Aviva, but one of the strangest onboarding experiences, nothing to do with Aviva, that I've ever had because Incredible. I have now spent more time at home. I had a one to one with um, someone in my team this morning. He said we've now been at home for six weeks, so I've been at home for six weeks and had been in the office for I think about three four weeks. Yeah,
0: yeah this is bizarre it's a bizarre world isn't it to, especially just joining um the onboarding experience when the world has been turned upside down must be quite an eye opener wasn't it yeah.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you know, Aviva people and any of you who've experienced Aviva either as a customer or as a, as a colleague, we are warm and, you know, like our sort of brand, this, this yellow, warm, caring aspect of our culture, which you really see play through, has helped tremendously in the fact that a lot of the first interactions I've had with people are, you know, looking at a computer screen with, unfortunately, my picture in the bottom right and trying to avoid <laughs> trying to <point. laughs> seeing how dreadful I look today I'm focusing <laughs> on the people in front of me so yeah people have been incredibly welcoming and collaborative but it you know there are occasions where I've been talking to members of the team and just said do you know what right now it would be brilliant to be in a room with a flip chart and some post-it notes for us to actually mm. really understand what we're talking about but you know we're getting there. We're getting yeah. there. And the, uh, the most important thing was to keep people
0: safe. I think that's, that actually brings me to my first question, which is around culture. If you've been in an organisation for eight weeks, nine weeks, as one of the senior professionals within the HR space, within your, your, your business, how can you actually influence in just a few weeks? Is that kind of, I don't know if that's a leading question in which you're just going to say, well, you can't, or have you got anything <laughs> that you can kind of just, just expand on that perhaps a little bit?
1: yeah I, I um one of my colleagues on the leadership team actually said to me the other day, We can feel you're here, right which is i I, I had a I had a warm feeling <laughs> having because you can't you can't see your impact in an organization, especially when you're sitting in a room at home, right you you can't tell the difference you're making because you can only you know you, you you see it as a consequence of of you being there but you know he he said we're just already we feel more supported that it's practical it's commercial you're getting things moving and uh, i've had similar feedback from a couple of people in my in the people function leadership team and also uh, one of the other members of the aviva leadership team so i think you can have an impact um you know and i I've, I've always said that culture is made up of a million If every single thing in the organisation influences culture, there's probably whilst, of course, I would rather, you know, we weren't in the middle of a global pandemic and that everybody was safe. There, I think maybe the COVID-19 situation has meant that lots of organisations and definitely Aviva are having to make decisions quicker and You know, a lot of it has been about protecting colleagues. So, for our profession, the CHRO or the CPO or HR director is at the forefront in terms of, well, what's the right thing to do? And this isn't a situation that anyone's experienced before. So, we're having to use our judgment, make decisions, balance the first and foremost protecting our people, but also looking after customers and the business and work out what the right thing to do is. So, I feel like our profession has been pushed forward slightly. Globally anyway, Mm. but certainly in Aviva, the sort of metabolic rate of decision making in the organization and also how front and center the people function sits in that has probably helped me to have more impact than perhaps might have otherwise been the case. Um, And of course, you know, communication really helps. We are absolutely privileged at Aviva to have a fantastic, particularly internal comms team. The external comms team, if they ever hear this, they're going to be furious with me. The teams are great. But I think when you're talking about your impact in the organization, internal comms probably has more weight. And we have lots of different channels. So, and you know, teams we're talking on now, plus intranet, plus we have Uncut, which is our TV program. And, you know, I've had the opportunity to communicate to people through those channels as well. So based on the feedback I'm getting, I think I am having impact, which is which is fabulous. I'm sure some of it's good. I'm sure some of it's not good, but there you go. That's the that's the kind of, as a leader, you make decisions and I hope you get most of them right.
2: I right, think, Danny, as you mentioned there, it's just that what an, an amazing time or a strange time to be taking over as the CPO of an organization and just to be thrown right into the forefront. As you say, the profession is right in the forefront right now. And, and I know you're very passionate about what you believe in and around culture and the alignment with caring and looking after your teams and your how have, how have you how have you found that in terms of you know new to an organization still in some ways assimilating the culture yourself yeah being the person talking about it and leading and, and holding the mirror up to the leadership
1: yeah I think that you know if I look at my own team there's still some work to do around defining how we want the Aviva culture to just shift slightly. It, you know, if you look at um, what the organization said and we had a capital markets day in November last year and, and Morris, our CEO, has talked about just running Aviva better. And I think it's still relatively early days for the business to think, well, what what does a culture look like where aviva is wrong better certainly the words that are in my head are accountability is 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 the word that i think we probably need to just dial up in, in in aviva so just people understanding that they can make decisions and choices and they can they can crack on and you know do an excellent job again i i i think that the as as a leadership team us having to come together and make hundreds of decisions every day specifically in relation to the virus and also protecting the business protecting our people making sure that customers still experience the speed the service that they need to has meant that as a team i from what i see as a leadership team we're working better together there's mm. a sort of clarity around the pace we're going at you know 12 13 people can't all jointly make a decision someone is accountable for making the decision that we check in with other members of the team to make sure we've got a sense of you know especially for me i'm new so (laughs) you know the last thing i want is is sort of tissue rejection so sensible conversations this is what i'm thinking okay right fine that's that's a reward decision i you know i own it i understand the governance around it i'll check in with the board or the remco or you know as appropriate that's a technology decision right erica our coup you you own it you've 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 got people's views and you crack on and, and make the decision so i think as as a team we've gelled much more quickly than we would mm. have done in normal circumstances there are lots of people at viva with incredibly long service it's an organisation that people, you know, fall in love and stay with. But the leadership team, we have had three new external hires pretty much this year: um, Erica, the Q, Jan Hendrik, and Ciara, And then, then uh, last me as looking after people. And I suspect we wouldn't have assimilated quite as quickly if if there wasn't the sort of you know, never waste a good crisis, right?
0: Yeah. That's that's a very interesting point that you've made there, and I, I was just wondering as you were as you were talking, do you think that? So you've obviously been in uh, the banking industry when we had the last recession, and can you just reflect on some of your experiences through that? time through that recession period and what we're happening in at the moment because when you listen to the media and what's being said this is the shortest sharpest shock in terms of the economy that we have ever seen whereas the last recession was a little bit different so i was quite interested and in, hopefully you can just broaden out this uh, this topic of conversation around coming together assimilating together is that is that different to what happened uh, in your previous business in the last recession how is it different just sort of open that one out for me a little bit
1: yeah it it feels really different so you know if i think about the the banking crisis at risk of making myself very unpopular with every banker you banks created the issue i don't i don't you know yeah. apologies but we did and <laughs> not you know i was i was in retail you know i had teams of people giving customers great service and advice but ultimately banking as an industry created a problem and therefore coming into the banking crisis and the recession the mood was very different you know most people who worked for a bank felt vilified mm. you know, rightly or wrongly and you know the sort of the regulatory response was enormous and you know clearly needed to just try and make sure nothing nothing like that could could ever happen again whereas The mood coming into this situation, people can see that there are enormous global financial impacts of the COVID-19 crisis. And, you know, I'm sure they will last, you know, they will last for a while. And, you know, speaking to friends who are both employees and run businesses, you just, you know, your heart goes out to people who um the uncertainty that they're dealing with and the financial impact for them personally but everybody understands the start point of this was saving people's lives mm. and it creates a very different mood globally yeah and you know one of the things that i'm interested in is you know, what what are we learning from having to work in this way and i've i have in aviva i've got team members here in the uk and some of whom are based in london so tend to be you know physically more in in the same building as me and some in canada and europe and asia the balance when you have people um working remotely is that their voices aren't necessarily as loud mm-hmm. everybody's working remotely and everybody's voice is more equal now and actually you know, our, our teams in Asia are ahead of the curve and similarly in Spain and France are ahead of the curve on us with um, handling the crisis and how to keep people safe and how to make sure you continue with customer service. And, you know, how you look after the business as well so that that that, you know, we can continue to look after customers and employees. So for a global but probably slightly more UK centric company, I think it's created balance for the organization. You know, there are the tiny things like I bet we won't do as much business travel in the future. But also there, there's just the sort of the best practice around making sure everybody's heard. And I see leaders understanding that people are working with children at home or don't have a suitable working space or they're splitting the work with their partner or... They are on their own and totally isolated, and feel lonely, and probably just need a virtual coffee, and need to stop working the long hours they're working. So, I, 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 I mean, the, you know, the economic impacts, I'm sure, will be will be huge. But I think, well, I, I, I hope that humankind will remember what got us here, and it was saving lives.
2: That's a fantastic point, Danny, and I think that shared sense of purpose. As you say around saving lives i think is the big difference isn't it it's really gelled people and given them the motivation and also i think as you say there's there's no one sector that's that is is impacted or everyone is impacted in a similar way and therefore there's a shared sense of of challenge and a shared sense of in some ways injustice around what's going on but uh it's shared and that's yeah. that's the real leveler i think I'm, I'm interested just uh, as we sort of bring these this discussion through is, is, is to listen, is just to hear from you a little bit about some of the lessons learned. You talked about some of the things there about equaling voice and so on, but we're about to enter a phase that's the transition back to new normal, whatever that looks like. And, and again, as we talked about earlier, HR is going to be right at the front of that. Your role is going to be right at the front of that, uh, whether that's influencing what we retain and, and, and what you, what's good and what you want to keep but also you know keeping that culture stable and present as you go through what will be quite a difficult period transitions are always difficult. this is going to be quite a large transition for a lot of organizations. I think people will be really interested to in understand some some of your lessons learned things you think you might want to share
1: yeah around that space i was um I was talking to um someone in my team this, this morning um. In his one-to-one. Because all I do, all, all we all do all day is talk to people. <laughs> um, so telling you I was talking, it's not particularly interesting, is it? Um, and um, I was trying to um, kind of paint a picture around how we reverse out of people being at home or having to be at home. And this isn't going to work very well because lots of people might not know about it. But Google something called a Turkish get-up. Which is a reasonably complex exercise that you do, where you get from lying to standing, holding a weight above your head. And doing it is hard enough. And then once you've done it and you're standing with a weight above your head, you have to reverse it and get back down in exactly the same order as you stood up. And reversing it is so much harder than getting up. And it, there's no reason why it should be, it's exactly the reverse. Um, of what what you've already done and you know the, the conversations that we're having at Aviva are we will always do you know sort of government guidance plus because we just you know we need to keep our people safe that the first principle in the same way as it was when we um, got people home is to keep our people safe and then it's you know it's followed by because if our people are safe they can look after our customers and then therefore we're all looking after Aviva so, that, you know, those are the principles. But we're, we're thinking about it both in terms of actually you need to look at it on a number of dimensions. So which locations need which approaches? You know, so there's a sort of location based. I think we'd probably all just agree intuitively that you might want to take a different approach in London because of the density of population and workers and also transport. It just it, it feels like you take a different approach in London to, for example, um, you know, we've got locations in Yorkshire around Scotland. You also need to think about individual specific. So if business is open before schools, the conversation I've had is, well, that's a deciding factor, right? Because we currently have parents who are both homeschooling plus trying to work around that until the schools open. We can't we can't ask ask or you know allow them to return to work. On the on the sort of flip side of that, I think we also have people who are desperate to come back to work. So you know people who are lonely. One of the things we're looking at in Aviva is how just making sure that if somebody feels at risk of or is a victim of domestic abuse, whether that's control or physical violence, you know, there are people out there who work was their kind of safety. Mm-hmm. And then release, and you mm-hmm. know, they don't have it anymore. So, there's something about thinking around individuals and who might want to prioritize, and also the types of work and roles that you'd prioritize in terms of bringing back. You know, there are, um, I was talking actually to one of my colleagues, uh, from my previous organization, Metro Bank, and we've done the most incredible sort of home working pilot and proved that. Most jobs can be done from home, but that doesn't necessarily mean they all should be done from home mm-hmm. yeah. you know there are there are risks that organizations have decided to take because saving lives pretty much trumps everything. I think we'd all agree, but at the moment, there are people across the world who are speaking to customers on the phone with you know they've got personal data and payment details. And then whilst, of course, organisations will try and mitigate that risk with the systems and, and cyber security that they put around the technology that they give colleagues, it's probably a risk that you wouldn't want to have if you could put those people back into, into a working environment. You know, Lots of people are talking about, wow, we, the office is dead. We no longer need offices. <laughs> offices aren't just places where people work. Yeah, They are places where people come together they're a manifestation of your brand and your culture they are places where people connect and feel safe and collaborate and learn and you know they're, they're not just we just need to be really careful that we don't come out of this and go well offices are just a cost base mm-hmm. and they're a cost base that's not needed uh I think that you know the the other thing is that most of the conversations around flexible working during this um, crisis have been focused on the fact that people are doing their jobs from home, rather than the fact that people are working flexibly, as in their pattern and how they're managing themselves and their time. You know, and that that for some people that's a choice, for some people it's enforced because of childcare or other care responsibilities. But I, you know, I almost think that the home working is kind of the headline that everyone's grabbing on. Mm-hmm. But actually, I'm I'm kind of more interested in the more subtle working pattern. You know, just uh, so I always, always, when I do exercise, careful, implying that I'm always exercising. Uh, that would be totally unrealistic. Uh, if any of you met me, you'd know. I like to exercise early in the morning. So that's my thing. I get up, I exercise early. And sometimes I then decide to do a few hours work, which is lucky because no one's sitting anywhere near me. And then I'll go and have a shower. And then, you know, maybe go and have lunch and I can have lunch with my family because my three children are at, are at home, you know, and my, and my husband's at home, which is just such a rare treat. Now, it's it's 10 minutes and a bowl of soup or something. And then I'm back to work and then I might go and sit with them while they have dinner. And then I'm back to work and, and you know, doing sort of emails or or the children will come and say to me, do you want to go for a walk at six? And I go, yeah, great. What a great way to end the day now. I'm lucky I have discretion in the way that I manage my day, but lots of people are doing that. And it's been, it's probably hidden and kind of you you don't hear it or see it because all anyone's talking about is the fact that everyone's at home rather than how they are, they are managing their time. And it's, you know, it's it's great, especially as this being on the phone all day on you know, Teams, Zoom, you know, Skype, whatever you're on. Is, it's pretty full-on you know there are lots of articles saying how um, hard work it
0: is yeah culturally how challenging has that been then to have and do you think much will change when you when when all of the Aviva team do go back to their offices and desks and things like that are you have you got any bits that you could share with us where you think yes actually this has changed us culturally for the better
1: not n- probably not Aviva specific I think Aviva's mm. Generally, we advertise all our jobs and say you can do it flexibly and you can do it from any location. I think what will have changed now is that perhaps leaders who knew that was our position but were slightly cynical about it, mm. they've done it themselves now, and they've seen their teams do it. Will It will have more weight and credibility that that is doable. I think there are also some people who just – you know their their, their sort of makeup and their psyche was really if someone's working from home are they really working as hard that uh, I I would really hope that that myth has been busted now because from an Aviva perspective we continue to provide service to our customers and of course we've had to move some teams around and ask people who are multi-skilled to focus on the areas with more volume and Clearly, you know, we've got some capacity issues with lots of people who, looking after children or caring responsibilities or so, some people um, had to wait a while for us to get the technology that would really enable them to do their jobs effectively. I think it must have changed. And that combined with the fact that we're here because we wanted to save people's lives and we now know more about people. It's like you know, you Remember that BBC interview a few years ago where a guy's being interviewed by the BBC Live in his study and I think his his wife or his partner comes in and yeah. grabs the child and, and yeah. exits. Everybody has had one of those in the last six weeks. It's yeah. like, Chris, I've seen your sharky wolf. Yes.
0: Okay. for the, has the, a shark. For those listening, I have a mural uh from uh the previous owners where I have an aquarium on my wall, just in case everybody's wondering why I might be randomly drawing uh shark pictures on the wall.
1: <laughs> and I know that Aaron lives next door to two nurses and he he puts gifts outside their door sometimes. I thanks, honey. I, you're welcome. Uh just we know that sort of stuff about each other that we wouldn't necessarily previously have not it just we're seeing people through a different lens
0: yeah it's humanized doesn't it we're all a little bit more human
1: yeah and we should hold on to that
0: yeah definitely so i, I want to pick up on one more thing actually you talked earlier about the uh the metabolic rate and the speed of the organization which i was quite that's quite a, a nice sort of sound by it but i guess my question really is how do you maintain the current speed of this change after we go back to the new normal? Because as you said, your your team, your newly forged sort of Aviva team have come together, you have assimilated together really, really quickly. You've done lots of great things in such a short period of time. How can you maintain that once things start getting back to normality?
1: I'm not sure we can or should uh, because you may not know it, but I'm actually 28 and I look <laughs> <laughs> after... After six weeks at home, I look, I look, I don't know, nearer, maybe I could get away with 35. No, a lot older than that. I'm I'm not sure we should. I think people will become exhausted soon, actually. Yeah. I think the muscle of going, look, here's a great idea. Here's a so you know, when there was one particular instant in Aviva where Morris was doing uncut of sort of TV show and was asked a question, which was. Will you, you know, ask a question live, will you allow people who are were previous um national health or you know private healthcare, but qualified healthcare professionals, will you allow them to go back to work in the NHS to support it? And Maurice said, I don't know, let me, you know, let me ask Danny. And you know, he and I had a conversation. Clearly, the answer was yes. Because it's mm-hmm. the right thing to do. And then so we said yes, we will. And then we just kind of built the tracks just in front of the train with the engine kind of <laughs> bearing down on us. So I think that whole look, it's the right thing to do, yes, we'll do it, and working out how to do it. I think that we we should we should keep, but also the balance of just taking the time to breathe and think about how to do it in the right way and to understand that. Some decisions don't need that bead and some are best mulled over is is also important. I, I think the other muscle that we've really developed is knowing when we've got enough information to make a decision mm-hmm. because you can, leaders in general, I'm not talking about Aviva, we can all look at something and go, that is really tricky. There is no obvious right. And you get the information and it still boils down to you just got to make a decision And that's, I think, when sometimes as leaders we go, could could we just look at the information a different way or get more information? Or in my experience, once you've got 80, 90 percent of the information, you can ask for more and more data. It's not it's not going to make it any easier. You just you just got to make a choice. And I think I think uh, leaders have have learned. Have learned that as well. Although to be fair, a lot of the decisions around COVID nineteen, because you come back to this simple principle of we've got to save lives, and you know,
2: I think that's, It's, it's simple. a great point, Danny. I think this this whole point about not sustaining the pace but retaining the themes, yeah, I, I think is key because you're right. The pace was set because we had to get things done quickly. We had to get home, lock ourselves in, and as you say, focus on saving lives. That drove a behaviour of speed, but the themes that then emerge in terms of the way you engage people, the quickness of decision making, etc. You need to retain those themes, but not necessarily the pace of working. It's not yeah. sustainable.
1: And you know, the whole you know, anyone who works in change or in the digital world sprints to deliver stuff. Great, but you if you sprint all the time, you you yeah. just you just be exhausted and burn out. Um, Yeah, you need you need a variety. And I think one of the reasons that people are finding being on calls all day more tiring than they probably thought they would. You know, someone, one of my children said to me the other day, but weren't you in meetings all day at work? And I said, yes, but I I moved rooms. I bumped into people in corridors. I might go and get myself a drink, might treat myself to go, you know, trip to the loo, eat lunch, chat to people. It's the the variety and the different pace of different encounters and experiences enables you to kind of you know get more energy but you know you can't sprint all the time
0: Mm. that's a really really good final point i think for us to wrap up on today's podcast so don't sprint all the time Maybe we should call that the headline of this uh, of this of this particular podcast. Danny, thank you very very much for taking some time out of your day today to talk to us on this uh, this HR Guild podcast. We will be producing um, a weekly podcast for uh, the HR Guild, and uh, on it we'll have a variety of different professionals talking about a variety of different topics. So uh, I think that just leaves me with uh, just a, one final thank you for to Danny for joining us today, and also thank you, Aaron, for joining us too. Thanks, Chris and we will see you on the next HR Guild podcast. Thank you.